the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's legacy, and, and we want to think about our legacy. But, but the reality is, as a preacher of the gospel, I, I want what was said of Paul and Barnabas to be part of my legacy. I want it to be said that no matter what happened, he continued to preach the gospel. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. If I were to give you one phrase that could shake your world, would you want to hear it? It, I believe this simple phrase could rock your faith. It, It should change the way you look at life. It's very simple, very basic. Here it is. There is a God... And you're not God. I think most of life's problems stem from a distorted view of God. And that is what we're going to dive into today as we look in Scripture at Acts chapter 14. So take your copy of God's Word, find something that you can write with, find something to write on, and let's take this journey together. I want to remind you what has just happened. Paul and Barnabas had just begun what we call in Christian history the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. They were sent out by the church in Antioch. I believe every church should be a sending church, and that's why we partner with missionaries around the world. That's why we plant churches around the world. We want to be a sending church. So they were sent out uh, by the church in Antioch, and they began a journey which took them into what we would call modern-day Turkey. It was Considered Asia at the time. And they boldly preached the gospel with a simple pattern first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In the book of Acts, we learn that Peter had the opportunity to present the good news of Jesus to a man named Cornelius, and that served as an opening of the gospel, not just to Jewish background people, but to everybody in the world. But when they began to do that, Not everyone received them well. In fact, that's how chapter 13 ended. Let me just remind you of those words. It says, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here... Maybe apart from Jesus, the greatest missionary who's ever lived, the Apostle Paul, is on his first missionary journey, and instantly he faces challenge. And what does he do? He shakes it off. He shakes it off and goes on with God. And so here on the outset of this mission adventure, we see a promise and a principle. 
when you advance for God, when you advance with God, you will face challenges, but when you do, shake it off and go on with joy and go on full of the Holy Spirit of God. Or as I've heard Dr. Charles Stanley say, for most of my life, obey God and leave the consequences with him. So what happened? Look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 14. Now at Iconium, they entered together into a Jewish synagogue and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now that's exciting. So in verse 1, we have some excitement, some success. Things are going well. Many people believe, but look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now, generally here in our church, we read from the English Standard Version. I like that translation of Scripture. Here, it's not my favorite because it misses out an accurate translation of that phrase, unbelieving Jews. Because literally what that word means is those who refuse to believe, those who rejected the message of Jesus. And make no mistake, Scripture teaches that it's possible to hear the good news of Jesus And walk away to reject him. In fact, that is what eternal damnation is for. You will not experience eternal damnation just because you're a sinner. All of us are sinners. You experience that because as a sinner, you refuse to accept the gift of grace that God has offered to you. But these people not only refuse to believe, they begin to poison others. Have you ever met anyone like that? Somebody that's so miserable, this is their motto. I'm miserable, and I want you to be miserable too. Uh, As Zig Ziglar used to say, attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? So people with those bad attitudes, man, they spread that a lot. But here's the reason. They're hurting. And the principle really is true. Hurting people always hurt people. And people whose hearts are not at peace with God, they're going to they're gonna live in that world of hurt and they're going to find it difficult to be at peace with other people. And that's what was taking place. So notice what happened in verse 3. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I love this. Even in the midst of rejection. Paul and Barnabas stayed at it. I hope that could be said of us. In the midst of disappointment, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of life's challenges, will we stick with the stuff? Paul and Barnabas invested. And there we see another biblical principle that affects us in everywhere in life. If you want to experience the best you're going to have to take time to invest. There are no shortcuts, right? There are no get-rich-quick schemes. There, there's no easy way out. It's just steady plowing ahead. So they invested. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some the apostles. And here in Acts chapter 14, we're reminded of a truth that has changed all of history. The gospel divides. 
If it is true that God created all that is, if it is true that man became sinful and that as a result, all of us have inherited this nature of sin, and if it is true that that nature of sin destines us to a lifetime separated from God if left undealt with, and if it is true that God demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and if it is true that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers the forgiveness of our sins, that when we're Received can change us and reunite us with God. If that is true, that changes everything. Amen. And that changed history because it's true. Just think about this. If, if you tune into CNN and, and the Dalai Lama is there, a, a very nice man, he's not going to be divisive. If you watch newscast on TV and Buddhism is being discussed, that is not divisive. You can even have a discussion of the prophet in Islam, Muhammad, and and that will not be divisive. And the reason is, is, you may be surprised to hear me say this, but every one of those people and a lot of those religions can offer you some help. They, They can teach you to do good things. But mankind's greatest need is not self help. Mankind's greatest need is salvation, and only Jesus saves. And so that becomes, that becomes very divisive. In fact, in the Greek language here, the word that is used to describe this division is the exact same word that is used in the crucifixion of Jesus to describe what happened at the veil in the temple. Do you remember what happened to the veil? It was split. And so the word that is used here in Acts 14 says, when Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel, it was a dividing line. It tore apart the fabric of society because there was no middle ground. If Jesus is the only way, then truth and grace through him are dividing realities. The gospel drives a wedge for those who receive it. It's the best news that you could ever hear. But for those who reject it, it's the worst news you could ever hear. So what happened? In verse 5 it says, When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So the journey's continuing, and they're staying steadfast, continuing to preach the gospel. I've been thinking a lot about legacy, spent some time again this week with my father. He's doing a little better in his journey, but still just a very tough place, and had the privilege of being with one of my best friends, my brother, and just looking through some old pictures, and man, our dad is just a hero to us, and he, he's just a great guy. And, and we were both sitting there on the floor in one of their rooms just looking at old pictures saying, man, we just want to be like him. And that's, that's legacy. And, and we want to think about our legacy. But, but the reality is, as a preacher of the gospel, I, I want what was said of Paul and Barnabas to be part of my legacy. I, I want it to be said that no matter what happened, he continued to preach the gospel. If you've just joined us, You're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. 
Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. When, when people didn't respond, he continued to preach the gospel. When people didn't like what he said, he continued to preach the gospel. When he didn't feel like it, he continued to preach the gospel. When he wanted to quit, he continued to preach the gospel. Because when you do that, God begins to show up in power and do great things. Look at verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Now this reminds us of another story in the early church from Acts chapter 3. Peter, who was that first apostle making a wave of Christianity across the world, Peter had encountered a lame man crippled from birth. And one of those first miracles of the early church took place as that man was healed. Now Paul encounters a crippled man. And and we're reminded that every time we see a crippled person in the New Testament, it's really a picture of you and me because every one of us are crippled in our natural flesh. We can't get up and walk our way to God. We'll never be good enough to earn or deserve a place in his presence. We're helpless. We're hopeless. We need to be healed. In Acts 14 and verse 9, it says that he listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. In Acts chapter 3, Peter comes across the, the lame man and he's crying out, Hey, help me! And, and sometimes we see people like that. I mean, there, there's no mistake. They need the healing touch of Jesus. Sometimes you don't, you don't hear that person. You have to see them. If I'm reading Acts 14 right, this lame man may have never walked again had the apostle Paul not saw him listening. There are people in your little corner of the world that may never come to Jesus if you don't see them. And we get so busy, consumed, overwhelmed in our life that we don't see the needs right in front of our faces. Who's your one? You still praying about that individual? Looking to have conversations? Gospel opportunities to to invest in one life, you should always have one. Who's your one? Well, so Paul said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. And the crowd saw what Paul had done and they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconium, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Wow, did you hear that? I mean, that's kind of a crazy plot twist. Some of you read Greek mythology, right? You've heard those names, Zeus and Hermes. So maybe uh, Barnabas is older and more mature, and maybe he was more burly, and they thought of him as Zeus. And Paul was eloquent. He was the speaker. Hermes was the messenger of those Greek gods. Why did they do that? Let me give you a little history. told you that Lystra was in modern-day Turkey, and in that region of the world, there was a legend. The legend was that in a previous time, Zeus and Hermes had visited the region. But the people did not receive them as gods. 
That is, the people did not receive them except for two people, Philemon and Baucus. Not Philemon in the Bible. Remember, this is Greek mythology. Philemon and Baucus did receive them, but Zeus and Hermes were so mad that they destroyed the city. Everyone except Philemon and Baucus. Philemon and Baucus were made guardians of the temple. And when they died, the legend goes that they were made into great big old trees so that they would always stand there. So when the people saw Paul and Barnabas do something that seemed to be so powerful and miraculous, they didn't want to miss out again. They didn't want to be destroyed. So they said, okay, you're Zeus and you're Hermes and and here we are. Here's the fact, they were in the practice of worshiping false gods. So the truth is, any old false god would do. That's true in your life too. When you've put something in place of the one true God, it really doesn't matter what it looks like, who it is, how they act. Any false god will do. And here's the big reason why. It's always easier to make God in our image than it is to be conformed into his. You understand that? Someone once put it this way. In the beginning, God made man in his image. And over time, man has returned the favor. I believe this is what keeps many people from God. It may be what's keeping you from God. It's a distorted view of who God is. What distorts us? Well, there's all kinds of things. Our, our family of origin may distort it, right? Again, I have to tell you, I get it. I am very blessed. I received a healthy view of God from my parents. But for many of you, and I would say for most people around the world, that is not the case. The way you view God is impacted by what you received there in that home, and it, it impacted you negatively. Do you know even our religious influences can distort the way we view God? So if you grow up in a very legalistic religious setting, you think God's like the old Western Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day. I mean, he's just ready to blast you if something happens. If you're overwhelmingly in a grace-only religious background, then you look at God like Santa Claus, just sit in his lap and he'll call on him anytime you want, he'll give you what he wants. Our religious views can distort that. And then we have this American soup that we live in. Where we're just in this big pot and everybody throws a little bit of what they want in the pot. And so God really does become formed in the image of mankind. Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. Uh, Complete this verse for me. God helps those who... Yeah, great job. You just memorized a verse that's not in the Bible. And it's not true. It's a bunch of hogwash. Number one, God helps everybody. And, and, and our faith is not about self-help. And that's the American dream, but that's not Christianity. But a lot of people distort our view of God because we just see him as we want to see him. Based on our neediness. Or our desires. If you're creating God in the image you want him to be, he's not the God in your life. You are. And this sneaks into our society because we do quote actual verses like 
those found in Psalm 37, at least parts of them, will say this. God gives us the desires of our heart. We don't quote it in context of the whole verse, and so we don't say the part that says when we commit our ways to the Lord, which simply means if I'm living my life according to his will, he'll let me live his will. (laughs) That's logical, right? He's God. He wants us to live his will. So if I'm living my life according to his will, if I'm committing my ways to him, he gives me the desires of my heart because my desires are what? His desires. But it sneaks in. I was driving yesterday and I was listening to K-Love, this nationally syndicated, great Christian radio program. And, but they were talking. And a lot of times in the radio, I feel like my daughter, who sometimes I turn on the radio and she says, they talk too much. <laughs> and, and so they were talking and, and uh, I guess they were talking about your dreams and your desires. And I, I heard this well-meaning lady say, I always dreamed of going to Paris and, and then I had children. And, and so I assumed I could never go, but I hear what you're saying. And I believe God gave me that dream. So I've got to go to Paris. I'm going to keep pursuing that dream because God desires me to go there. He wouldn't have given it to me if he didn't desire me to go there. No. Nothing wrong with Paris. I love it. I've been many, many, many times. But listen, be careful about assuming every desire you have is a desire given by God. If you're the author of who God is, what does that make you? Are you in God's story or is he in your story? See, all of creation is telling us God's story. And his desire is that your life as his creature, as the created one, that your life intersect his story. And he wants you to become a part of his story. But he's not in the business of making it all about you. It's not about you. We want to be God. Truth is, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is when it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But we're made to worship. So in effort to fulfill the very reason that we're made, we find ourselves worshiping the wrong things. And you and I do that too. And that's a distorted view of God. So I would just ask you, maybe it's, it's time to press the pause button and ask, how do you view God? Everybody has an image of God. Even atheists have an image of God. They do because they've created in their mind who they think God is. And then they say to themselves in a schizophrenic kind of way, oh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you perceive him. I need you to know today, there's not a white church God. There's not a black church God. There's not a Pentecostal or charismatic God. There's not a Calvinistic God. There's one true God. He revealed himself to us in scripture. He's the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't like it when we make images of him. He doesn't want us to put others before him. There's one God and you're not God. So what happened in this story? Verse 13, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, they brought oxen and garlands to the gates and they wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowd. Crazy. 
So now it's just not the people, but the leaders of this false religion say, yeah, we got to get in on this. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and they rushed out into the crowd crying out. Now that's the response you should have when people give you false praise. That's not what Herod Tempest did in Acts chapter 12. Remember, he came out in his robe and they said it was glowing like God. They said, hey, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. And Herod was just bringing it in. Yeah. Yeah. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. I don't know about you, but the way I read that, I don't think God wants you to take his role. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.